Welcome to Digging Deeper, a podcast of Perimeter Church in Atlanta, Georgia, hosted by me, Jeff Norris, along with my co-host, Laura Story Elvington. This podcast aims to equip you to follow Jesus by digging deeper into the teachings and topics of the Bible, the culture at large, and life in general. We're excited that you joined us as we explore the treasures of God's Word and apply its teachings to our lives as followers of Christ. In this season, we're digging deeper into our series, Love Rules, a study through the Ten Commandments and their relevance to us today. So throughout this season, we'll feature many exciting guests who will help us sort through what Scripture has to say and how it impacts how we're to live as citizens of the Kingdom of God. We're so glad you joined us. Now let's jump into today's discussion. We are so glad that you've joined us yet again for another episode of Digging Deeper, where we do just that. We dig deeper into important topics and issues in the Bible and in our faith. And uh, we're in the middle, really towards the end now, of walking through the Ten Commandments and having what we hope are very interesting and helpful conversations around these commandments from the Lord. And so we're thrilled, absolutely thrilled to have Aaron Smalley with us. This, this episode. Aaron's joining us via modern technology here, and, and uh, we're so glad to have you, Aaron. Well, thanks for having me. Good to meet you, Jeff, and I love Laura, so we'll probably have a great conversation. Yeah, I know that we will. Let me, uh, let me start with this. I'm looking at a piece of paper that Laura handed me. She is the one who put together kind of the, the flow of these conversations <laughs> oh, and these no. episodes. And let me just tell you what she titled this one, Aaron. She has episode seven topic, marriage and murder. <laughs> um, and, and um, you know, I. OK, well, let me let me explain. Yes. Well, let me not explain. I'm not going to explain it yet. We're going to hit on murder maybe towards the end. And you're going to. Hopefully, Erin, you will appreciate how I've tied these together. But we, first of all, want to talk to you, obviously, about marriage. Because on the Focus on the Family website, uh-huh. they they have, as your title, Marriage Strategic Spokesperson. Yes. That is quite uh, <laughs> the impressive title. What What is it that you do? Yes. And it's fun. It's always my title changes occasionally. It usually has the word marriage in it. And so what I do is I am a spokesperson for the marriage department, either whether that be an event um, that focuses putting on like the ones I've been at you, been with you um, at Laura, or, you know, we do a resist the drift event, which will be in Atlanta, um, September 15th and 16th, I believe, or taping a podcast or a daily broadcast, usually on the topic of marriage. So that is what I do. So would this be the would would this be the first podcast you've ever had where it's been coupled with murder, marriage and murder? I will say yes. <laughs> I, I, I promise so. you guys, I'm going to get there. I yeah, would I think can't so. wait to get now, how it all unpacks. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're probably just as anxious as I am as, as yeah. how is this going to play out. No, so I think where Laura's going with this is we've we've been walking our way through the Ten Commandments, and so the sixth commandment is you shall not murder. The seventh mm-hmm. commandment, you shall not commit adultery. So that's where we are in this episode. And, and that's what we're talking to you about, Aaron. Okay. Is God's heart for why would he, why would he give us the parameters that he does? What is it that he's really going after at the heart level here? And, um, but we do just to put you at ease, we do most, most want to talk about marriage and we'll, we'll hit the murder piece at the very end, but <laughs> more at the heart connection as opposed to the actual act. Um, so, um, let me ask you this. We'll start here. Uh, when you look at our culture 
today. Mm-hmm. Um, how is our culture, in your mind, how is our culture defining marriage? How is it impacting even perhaps the church's perspective of marriage? What, what, are, what are lies that are being believed? What are you noticing, mm-hmm. seeing, observing? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, those kind of things. And, and how is it just um, across generations even having an impact? Yeah, I would say that there's a lot changing right now around marriage, Um, obviously even around the definition of marriage. And I would would say within the church, there have been many things that I would say well-meaning individuals, well-meaning teachers, preachers, uh, mentors have filtered into marriages that people are now going, wait, is that how it really, what scripture really says? Mm -hmm. Um, So I, as a marriage counselor, I often have couples or individual women in my office who are saying, okay, so this is how I've lived lived my marriage out because this is what I was told. Basically, sometimes for women, they have interpreted that, you know, being submissive means they don't have a voice or they don't stand Mm -hmm. up or being mistreated is okay or, you know, these things. And now they're beginning to go, wait, wait a minute. We both matter. And that is what we... Um, at Focus on the Family, and especially within our marriage intensive program, Hope Restored, have infiltrated um, into the understanding, a godly understanding of marriage is that both individuals matter. They have to. This marriage cannot be at the cost of either individual. That's not how God created it. And so recognizing that Jesus died on the cross for individual hearts, that he is not going to value an individual heart over an institution. So that is a big change that has been infiltrating, um, I would say, the church and marriage um, yeah. from my perspective. Yeah. Well, just to tag on to that, one of the things that I was, I was just having a conversation this morning with one of our pastors here who does a lot of our uh, marriage counseling within the church. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was letting me know yet again, he's told me this before, but he was reiterating that one of the things that he's seeing more and more of is um, wives saying, well, I, you know, I, I need to be submissive, which biblically, yes, mm-hmm. but a very kind of uh, contrived, unhealthy understanding of what it, what it actually means to be submissive because their husbands, here's the reality, their husbands are not leading them well. Their husbands mm-hmm. are not pursuing Jesus. Their husbands are actually being at some level abusive emotionally, Mm -hmm. verbally, and um, they're not the type of man that uh, is leading in such a way that that the wife should be submissive to them, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's this, then what you end up with is this very unhealthy, perpetual cycle. Uh, But the wife is only, uh, and this may be getting into something that's like, wow, this is a whole nother podcast for a different day. But just to, to echo your point of like, man, there's, I think there's a lot of misunderstandings even yes. within the church on what does a godly marriage look like? Yes. And I will often hear again, well, from women and men both that, well, I thought that was my job. 
That's yeah. what I was told. That's how I interpreted scripture. And it's not that there's villains out there trying to mislead. I just think there's some misunderstandings. Yeah. And often I will say to people that, gosh, sometimes I feel like in my office, what I'm doing is unprogramming some stuff that has been well-intended, but it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And ultimately it's led to two people feeling very disconnected and to maybe one or both of the individuals feeling dishonored and yeah. disrespected. So, you know, I, I, I don't think it's intentional, but I think that it's, it's good that within our culture, people are now talking more. Yeah. There's more podcasts, there's more social media stuff, more um, just visual conversation about what does a healthy marriage look like? What actually works? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I I love that you even began to talk about a healthy marriage. One of the things I love about you and your husband, Greg, is how honest you guys are about <laughs> how you've learned the things that you share. Do you mind uh, sharing? So what did marriage look like for you guys early on? Has it always been as blissful as it oh. is right now? <laughs> I actually just talked to, I, I do aftercare calls for Focus with the intensives. And so I was just talking to a couple and I said, you know, I'd love to tell you that we have the perfect marriage, but there is no such thing. So no, no. even being, my husband is a psychologist. I'm a marriage counselor. Our entire life is inundated around marriage. We started off rough. Like our first couple years were hard in here. I was marrying the son of Dr. Gary Smalley, one of the foremost uh, marriage experts in our country. We were living (laughs) at Denver Seminary on the seminary campus, and we were fighting like cats and dogs. Mm. And it was toward the end of our second year there that we heard our neighbors fighting. And then we had this huge realization that more than likely our neighbors heard everything that went on Mm. (laughs) and that wasn't good. So the good, the, the, the thing, the good that came out of those hard years is that it took us to a place of understanding that we needed to get help and Mm. we both needed to go back and heal from some of the garbage we brought with us. And we did that. We did individual counseling. We went to marriage counseling. We got a marriage mentor. Dr. Gary Oliver and his wife, Carrie, walked with us. Mm. And things began to change and shift. We also had our first daughter. Um, Mm. She was one month old on our second anniversary. And for us both, we were like, you know what? It's time. we got to figure this out because we Mm. can't keep going um, in the trajectory we're going if we want to be good parents. And in many ways, that motivated us to, to become a good husband and a good wife. And it, it, our ministry was really birthed out of hard times. Yeah. So, so for that listener or listeners that are mm-hmm. tuning in right now, listening to this, uh, and they're really struggling. Mm-hmm. And they may even be at the point of thinking, I, I, don't, I don't know that this marriage can make it. Mm-hmm. What are some of the introductory thoughts you give a person? And uh, assuming they're a believer, they're following Jesus, mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. spouses as well, but it just feels really broken and hopeless. Yeah. What do you, yeah. what do you say? It, I hear that a lot and you know, they'll give me different reasons. Like I don't love this person anymore or we're too different or we don't know. We, our conflict is terrible. Mm-hmm. I just always start with the basis that there is hope. Because we serve a God who brings hope. That's what he does. He's the healer. And so where I often encourage people to begin is to look at themselves individually, 
to see like, how am I showing up? Where is my heart? Is my heart closed? If my heart's closed, well then I'm not going to be my best self. I'm not going to show up as my best self. Mm -hmm. And that impacts the marriage. So the healthier those two individuals are, the healthier that marriage is going to be. I also, as we heal individually, as we show up differently, we then influence the marriage. I think Mm. sometimes people forget that they have influence in the relationship. And when they're showing up in healthier, kinder, more gentle um, ways, as well as even truthful ways, honest ways, being truthful in love, um, that you know, you just never know how that is going to shift the other person feeling safe. And if they feel safe, maybe their heart will open Mm. and maybe they will begin modeling some of the things you're modeling. So it's, it is, there's always hope, focus on you, go in and get help individually. If your spouse is unwilling and, you know, start that, that trajectory, there Mm. is Mm. always hope. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So good. Let's get specific to the commandment. Mm-hmm. of you shall not commit adultery. Uh, what, what does fidelity in a marriage look like? How do, you, how do you begin to define that? And maybe, well, I'll just leave it at that for now. I'll probably have some follow-up yeah. questions, but and, yeah. And even maybe the person um, who's read this and said, oh, well, that's not me. I haven't committed adultery. Right. What are other ways that, that yes. sometimes our heart can, um, um, yeah, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Yeah, uh, yeah. How, what are ways that, that maybe we're more guilty uh, than we realize when it comes to this commandment? Yes. I, so I looked up the definition of fidelity um, in basically what it says, faithfulness to a person, cause or belief demonstrated by continuing loyalty and support. And so, yes, infidelity is definitely the break in the covenant the um, emotional, physical, sexual covenant within a relationship. However, I love what you're saying, Laura, because that's exactly where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as there are so many ways that we all are unfaithful. Um, you know, you, you think about how do we show up when we're with our spouse, but also how do we show up when we are not with our spouse? Mm-hmm. Are we honoring them when we're with them? with our words, with our actions, and how about when we're not with them? Are we honoring them in word and in action? Mm. And so I I love that it, you know, sure, a full-blown affair is like a tsunami in a marriage, but what the research shows is that often couples are divorcing because of the little things. Yeah. And so it's looking at, again, looking at the individual, how am I showing up? as a faithful individual, as a trustworthy individual, am I safe with my spouse? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, I, I think it's important to look first and foremost, these commandments are written not for us to, you know, beat our spouse over the head with the Bible and say, mm-hmm. are you obeying these? Look at yourself and go, how am I showing up? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So we, Oh, go ahead. Go oh. ahead. We're both so eager. To, I know. Yeah. We have so many questions. Um, so we just had, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Tim Elmore. He came on our podcast last last episode and talked about parenting. And one of the things he said was, uh, he was talking about giving counsel for parents. He said, I'd rather, make sure I get this right, Jeff. I'd rather build a fence at the top of the hill than build a hospital at the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. And at just the top this, of the cliff. Yeah. 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 Oh, that makes better sense. I'd rather build a 
fence at the top of the cliff than a hospital at the bottom of it. When it wow. comes to marriage, I know that a lot of what you do is that presented preventative so people never get to crisis. Mm-hmm. What are the things that you are seeing um, as those preventative works that all of us can apply to our marriages? Mm-hmm. I would say preventatively, because we, we teach a lot of marriage enrichment events, which mm. these events are designed more for preventative enrichment. They say most couples that come to marriage events are actually couples that are doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. However, there's also those that sneak in and mm-hmm. they not sneak in, but they come um, and they're in crisis and there is hope for them there as well. One of the biggest things I would say that people are dealing with in life in general is a busy, hectic pace, yeah. either because of work, um, uh, kids, you know, yeah. whatever's going on in their life. And so therefore the marriage ends up feeling more disconnected or distant emotionally. Yeah. And that's painful. The most pain, one of the most painful emotions we can feel is feeling alone in marriage. Mm. And so this event that we teach is called resist the drift because a lot of couples unintentionally end up drifting emotionally away because they start focusing on good, important things. So really it's looking at how do we resist that drift and stay connected at that deeper emotional level? And of course there's, there's really simple things. One of my most favorite things to tell couples to do, um, to spend 10 minutes a day, uh, seeking to understand each other at that deeper heart level. Mm. So I always say it's the inside stuff that helps us to feel connected. So it's listening to our spouse, like, you know, okay, so tell me about what's going on inside. What are you feeling? What's stressing you out? What's your, what are you fearful about? Mm. Um, you know, what's the high of your day, the low of your day. It's all that inside stuff that we share so much when we're dating and engaged, and then we stop pursuing each other at that same intensity. Mm. So it's just going, it's, but it's all, it's listening, but it's also sharing. Yeah. So yeah. it's, we, we call it knowing, but also being known, which is a deep desire of the human heart. And that's so good. Can I do a quick follow-up question? Yeah, yeah. And then I, I got know several that, over I know here. You I, do. I'm, I'm just okay. at the So bit. I often think that Martin and I would be really great at marriage if we didn't have these four little needy people <laughs> yeah. that live in our house. Like, uh-huh. Where do kids fit into this idea of, um, of really knowing, and I would even say prioritizing your spouse? Because mm. so often at it, it, my stage of parenting, um, it's it's so easy to let the neediest person in the house mm-hmm. get the most attention. But how mm-hmm. is that harmful to a marriage? Mm. Yeah, it's it's and Laura, that is so common because people look at me like, when are we going to have time to talk for ten minutes a day? We have five little people running around who, who need, need us. us. And, and in Hebrews thirteen four says marriage should be honored by all, and so we take that as we also are teaching our children how to honor marriage because hmm. it says marriage should be honored by all. So but good. does that mean we lock them away and we just focus, just focus on, each, on other? each other? No, that's not realistic. Wait, it so, doesn't mean that? What? <laughs> I was getting excited there. <laughs> <laughs> it really is looking for those, those opportunities, just little moments. Yeah. 
in our day, I always say there's 1,440 minutes in every single day. And if we are allowing our children to take the majority of those, and we're not offering any of those, those moments to our spouse, mm. you know, it's, it's reprioritizing. However, easy ways to uh, create that space for each other. You know, I've heard couples that have kids, young kids, you know, they, they say, gosh, we will fold laundry together. And while we're folding laundry together, we check in, mm. we talk, That's and good. that is our time. Or after That's the kids great. are in bed, we're exhausted, we're worn out, but we take 10 minutes, three mm. times a week to check in. Just, hey, how are you? What's one one? thing I can pray for you about? Just simple. Sometimes I think we make it too complicated. And the research shows 10 minutes a day is what actually can make a huge difference. Mm, That's that's awesome. Yeah, you're saying, you're you're just speaking into my world right now. My my wife, Rachel, and I, Mm -hmm. our kids are a little bit older. Our kids are 20, 16, 14, and 11. And we feel like we're in that stage of life where what used to be our rhythm was the kids go to bed by seven thirty, eight o'clock, and then yes. we have time together. Right. Well, we're now in this stage where, uh, you know, our our kids oftentimes are going to bed later than we are. Mm-hmm. We're we go in and we tell them good night, and we know that, you know, we this is getting a little too specific, but we have we have uh, internet controls to where we know the internet's going off at ten o'clock, so they can't be on their phones and they can't be doing anything else, so they're going to have to go to bed. But we'll go in there at nine thirty and say, all right, mom and dad are going to bed. But then our tendency is to not get alone time together because every minute is filled with getting someone to practice and our, you're taking her here and I'm taking her here and and it's just ships passing in the night kind of yes. kind of thing. And so really fighting for that 10 minutes that you're talking about is so critical. Yeah. Yes. And we don't always do that well. When we do do it well, it is we, we feel it, we know it, we experience more intimacy together um, and connection, but we also feel it when when we don't. And so just, just tagging mm-hmm. on to what you're saying there, man, I, I, you are, yeah. uh, you're speaking into our reality. Yeah. yeah. And, and we often encourage couples, there's things we call everyday moments and they're, uh, they're really moments throughout the day that are happening already. And so why not repurpose them to use them to strengthen our marriage or yeah. even our relationship with our kids, for example, and it looks different in every marriage, every household, because based on, um, what season you're in, Laura, you with your sm- younger kids versus for you, Jeff, you have older kids, um, you know, things like, how do we say goodbye mm. in the morning, you know, showing a sign of affection. There is strong research mm. that a husband who is kissed by his wife before he walks out the door that, or before whoever is walking out the door her or him, um, it has a, it has an impact on him. So specifically, Mm. like when Greg or I, whoever's leaving first, I am so intentional about a a physical sign of affection before I leave, a hug, a kiss. It changes our physiology. Mm. And that's how you send your spouse out the door or how you leave for the day. And that's a good thing to feel those, well, to have that oxytocin flow and all of that. You know, and also when someone comes home, how do we greet them? Do we set things down? Do we prioritize? Do we make eye contact? Do we ask them how their day was? 
we always laugh because we say, you know, look at your dog. How does your dog greet you? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Ours, we have a golden doodle, Olive, who smiles at us and is like shaking, smiling when we come in. And I'm like, well, I can't pull that one off, but that's a tall order right there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How do we say goodnight? You know, what what are the patterns Mm. uh, that we instill when we go to bed? And I'll tell you, we don't always do this well either. You know, we finally get into bed, we're exhausted. And, you know, if Greg's taking more time to get into bed, I'll pick up my phone and be like, oh, I didn't look at Facebook all day. I wonder what's on there. I didn't read my emails. And, you know, that, that robs us of that connection time. Yeah. So it's there. And if you look at the amount of time you end up spending on your phone, oh yeah. When I see that, I go, "Oh, I've got all kinds of time wow. apparently." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So being realistic about it. Yeah. That's yeah, it good. reminds me of that that quote from years ago from John Piper where he said uh, in a very Piper way, uh, he said at the end of it all, Facebook and Instagram and social media and so forth will will have existed uh, to show that we definitely had time for the things that matter, but oh, <laughs> it was like, it was like, Oh my goodness, just, <laughs> just go ahead and core. stab me in the heart. Yes. You know? yes. um, and speaking of stabbing hold, in hold the hold heart, hold on real quick, real quick. I, got, hold on, I was about to, you, you, you were to I was going to murder. Segue. Oh, you, <laughs> you set me up. You said stab me in the heart. Okay. Sorry. That was a perfect <laughs> stabbing in the heart. Oh, I just ruined a perfect segue. Okay. Go ahead, Jeff. Okay. We'll come back to stabbing in the heart, but I, I've got to go back to something you said earlier, just because I want to hear more. Okay. Of what you mean by that. You said uh, showing up when you're not with your spouse. Yeah. Right? Uh, mm-hmm. Something to that effect, right? Mm-hmm. Showing up when you're with them. Yes, we get that. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think I know what that means to some extent. Showing up, showing up without your spouse. Talk about that. What, mm-hmm. do, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. How are you honoring your marriage when you're mm-hmm. interacting with friends Um, How are you showing up in your marriage when you're interacting with the opposite sex? Mm. Um, What are you saying? What are you doing? Um, What message are you sending? You know, we, it's interesting because Greg and I have been very intentional over the 31 years of our marriage because when we first got married, he was in graduate school. And so he was leaving and going to, I mean, it was somewhat social, like they had study groups and on and on. And, um, you know, how do we honor our marriage in those moments? Do we have boundaries around the opposite sex friendships? We always have had boundaries around that. And I will say this younger generation seems to believe that they can engage with the opposite sex and have it never impact their marriage. Mm. And I have heard from too many um, millennials, Gen Xers that, um, that I didn't mean for this to happen, but, you know, I hung out with the opposite sex without boundaries and I ended up in a situation that I never dreamt I'd be in. Mm -hmm. So it's just evaluating. And I would say it's a healthy conversation to have with your spouse as far as what, what are the expectations here? Mm. You know, am I going to lunch with a coworker of the opposite sex? Am I meeting, um, individually, uh, and sharing things about my marriage. Am I bad mouthing my spouse? If I'm in a hard season, Mm. who am I talking to? I always say when we share about our spouse and even if it's hard, we need safe people in our lives and we need to be able to talk about our experience in marriage. However, are we dishonoring our Our spouse spouse? 
We can talk about how we feel, but it's got to be with someone who is safe and is well pro, pro your marriage. Oh, that's that good. They can listen, they can pray for you, and they will then stand you up and turn you out the door and say, now go work it out. Yeah. Go oh, figure it so out. Good. And I'm praying for you. Yeah. And don't be processing your marriage with someone of the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. Correct. Right? Like that safe person is not going to be someone that's, Correct. if you're a woman, don't be don't be saying, oh, the safe person is my guy friend yes. uh, and, vi- and vice versa. Correct. So anyway, all right. Okay, now, so stabbing in the heart. Yes, <laughs> okay. One question on murder. And then I'd love for you to just pray for marriages. Of the oh, I would love that. So here's, that. here's my segue. I hope this is as good as I think it's going to be. <laughs> so you are a counselor um, with marriage and all sorts of subjects. But one of the things, you know, even as we talk about marriage, it's not this idyllic picture that we um, that we maybe have ima- imagined as kids and sometimes the disappointments of marriage can lead to things like bitterness and anger in our hearts mm-hmm. yes. and as the gospel and even even hatred yes and yeah. hatred yes. in our hearts and uh, I think about the gospel where Jesus says in the gospels uh, that you know you say you haven't committed murder but if you've hated then you have committed murder in your heart mm. tell us um, when you think about emotions like bitterness and hatred and anger, how do those affect a person? Um, and mm-hmm. what, and how might someone escape if they find themselves in that cycle where they, um, where they have those, not just emotions present, but maybe those are the dominating emotions or, or that's the domi- dominating thought in their mind. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you're, I love your segue and your tie in. <laughs> Because it is so profound, the impact that our own heart has on us, that when our hearts don't feel safe and we're not guarding our heart, we're not guarding our minds, that our hearts close. And when our hearts close, in essence, what ends up happening is it's like a heart death. So there you go, the segue. There you go. So, so important And again, this is our job that God has given us as an individual to steward what he put inside of us to fight. I believe when he says, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life, that he's saying, um, guard your heart from closing or hardening. Hmm. Because when a hardened heart is a kiss of death for any relationship and a hardened heart or even a calcifying heart, there's kind of a process. A calcifying heart is one that will um, shows up with anger, bitterness, um, unkindness, uh, just says things they never dreamt they would say, doesn't show up as their best selves. We are our best selves when our hearts are open and we're connected to God. Mm-hmm. So um, if you find yourself there, which sometimes we find ourselves there and we don't even realize that we're there. Yeah. So it's, it's, I would say daily assessing like what's going on inside of my heart and what do I need to confess before God? What do I need to seek forgiveness for in my marriage? Because we hurt each other. We're human beings. I will often say, gosh, you know, even showing up as our best self, sometimes as human beings, we hurt each other. And so what do we do when we, we hurt our spouse? We say something, we do something that hurts them, impacts them. Well, we, you know, get our heart right with God and then we go Yeah. and we seek forgiveness 
And And for the spouse on the receiving end of the hurt, I heard something last week that I'm going to hold on to. Um, because you know, people come in and they're like, well, everyone just keeps saying, forgive, forgive, forgive. Yes. Because we're commanded to forgive. And I heard last week, someone said, you know, with G- with God's help, I choose forgiveness hmm. and I choose forgiveness again and again and yeah. again, whenever that bitterness rises up, I forgive. I choose forgiveness with God's help. Hmm. Oh, that's great. Uh, so, gosh, ties into this morning we were having, uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday, and on Tuesday mornings at our church we do uh, this prayer time together as a, as a whole staff. And uh, one of our staff members was right in front of me while we were singing songs of praise and worship, and um, I noticed that at one point as we were singing she raised her hands and she has um, just this little tiny tattoo on her forearm, and all it was was 70 times 7. Mm. right on her forearm just and and I Mm. looked and so she's raising her hand like this and I see it in front of me and I thought that is so cool as a constant Mm. reminder Mm -hmm. of Jesus's teaching on when Peter comes to him and says how many times do we have to forgive people and Jesus answers you know 70 times 7 and he didn't mean it truly mathematically it Mm. was it was basically over and over and over and over again Mm. and because we forgive as Christ has forgiven us and um and so anyway, just gosh, that, that, that just this morning, that was, mm, I noticed that and it that. really spoke to me. And then mm. as you share that, I'm going, wow. Um, you know, I think the Lord's even speaking something into me today, uh, mm. as that keeps coming up. And I, I think I may retitle it maybe marriage and forgiveness. There you go. Ooh. Rather than marriage and murder. Yeah. And <laughs> marriage and murder will get more people to tune in, but you know. definitely. Erin, <laughs> will you close us out by just praying Gosh, for yes. marriages? Yes, absolutely. Jesus, I come before you and we come before you, Lord, and just lift all the marriages up that are listening to this podcast right now. Lord, we lift our own marriages up to you, Jesus. Marriage was your idea, Lord, and The world likes to believe that it created marriage, but Jesus, covenantal marriage was your idea, and it's a gift. And the scriptures say those who marry will face many trials and troubles. And Lord, indeed, that is true. We all do. But Lord, you gave us each other to journey through those difficulties with. And Lord, help us to just take, take inventory of our own individual hearts, Lord, to know if we're showing up in a way that is impacting ourselves or the marriage. And Lord, help us to be humble, to seek forgiveness when we blow it, because we will. Um, and, and Lord, just to be a person that seeks to repair those injuries. Lord, um, give us courage and strength to do just that. Lord, we love you. Amen. 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 Aaron, thank you so much thank for joining you. us and fitting us into, I know, your busy schedule. And uh, we are... We are better for it, and our people listening are better for it. So we're grateful for you, and for those that have tuned in, stay with us for the last episode of this series as we walk through the Ten Commandments. We're going to be talking to Crawford Loritz next about the final three commandments the Lord gave us, and so you're going to want to be there for that. So we'll see you then.